0: And welcome to another episode of Rewind and Reconsider, where we rewind our favorite movies and reconsider them. Except, not right now. Um, I am your host Mia Grapidor, and as always, I am joined by my lovely, beautiful husband, Harrison Fagan. And we are concluding the long, difficult Christensen miss. Where you we said have it right? Been- yes, I did. That might be the first time. I think I practiced a little bit. Um, uh, we have been watching Hayden Christensen movies, and it has not been fun but we're hoping that this movie which got actually a few requests from um some people online this this
1: was by far but when we announced that we were doing this this is the most replies that we've gotten has been please do shattered glass
0: and you know why i think we have a lot of journalism friends yeah i think
1: it's a little skewed
0: yeah um so that's okay if you didn't realize that the movie is going to be shattered glass um i've watched it so has harrison i've actually watched it three times me too it's Cal State
1: Fullerton Journalism Education, baby oh, Every professor is like, you gotta watch Shattered Glass
0: No, and like, I watched it in high school too In my high school newspaper as oh. well I don't know why they show it to us It's just like, this is a cautionary tale Do not do this This is like a PSA I mean, it is,
1: it is a pretty good It functions pretty well as a cautionary tale For those of you not familiar It's about, uh, the, uh, it's about Stephen Glass who worked for Not
0: Philip Glass, Stephen Glass Philip Glass is a musician
1: Oh, I, I don't even know who that is uh, but he, he wrote for the Atlantic, uh, and he fabricated a bunch of stories. I mean, and who among us, you know? It was, like, sort of discovered during the process of, like, fact-checking one of his stories that it wasn't real, and then it turned out that pretty much, like, almost every story that he had done had s- at least some element of fabrication in it.
0: Yeah, just like that I guess, side- I don't thought...
1: know, do we still have to say allegedly? I don't know. Allegedly.
0: I think he's still around, right?
1: No, he is. He actually, uh, I, I have a- yeah, I have some news for you okay. uh, in the second half of this podcast. Oh, can't wait.
0: Um, But yeah, I've watched this about three times. Um,
1: Honestly, I don't So we've know. both seen it, but I think it's been a few years for it's, both of it's us. It's been a
0: really long time. I have not been in school for a while. So. And, and
1: I will say, you know, I remember really thinking that he did give a strong performance in this movie, in this role. I think it's the right role for him. It's like someone that's a little awkward, a little dry. Like, it's sort of the things that he excels at playing we found through Christensen myths that you know he sort of is a little monotone a little you know kind of unassuming like not all that charismatic despite being super good looking and it's and,
0: believable because it's like oh this guy's like writing really good stuff and he's his personality is not that great you Yeah, know? he's a tryhard. hard um, but it's interesting that they showed this movie I mean I think hope, hope, I'm hoping that they show at least better journalism movies like Spotlight I think would be a much better kind of journalism movie um, or All Kingsmen um, about the Knicks and stuff. I remember watching that as well, too. But, yeah, this one's just weird how they tell us they're or, or like, okay, yeah, don't ever do what this guy did.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a good message. Hey,
0: I I mean, I guess so. It's, maybe, do you think that reporter, the NFL sideline reporter, watched that movie and was just like, oh, I he's do the your, same thing. He's
1: got some good ideas. He's
0: got, I don't know, maybe I should do that. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? exaggerated stories for to make it better not me not for news but just like in life in general
1: no i don't know i guess you're just a liar damn you're the david glass of this podcast so oh, steven glass
0: who's david glass i don't know <laughs> um Anyway, so we're going to watch shattered glass and we will be right back
1: we're gonna try and not shatter some glass but you know just in case be careful out there yeah we'll pick up the pieces yeah <laughs> when we come back <laughs> All right. And we are back on Rewind and Reconsider. We just watched Shattered Glass. Mia, you are going to do the 60-second summary because I think that I am a little more familiar with this movie than you. And also I think I sort of picked it. So yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. You're going to do it. Are you ready?
0: Uh, uh, do, yeah. do you
1: think you can summarize crimes against journalism ethics in <laughs> 60 seconds? I think so. Oh wow! So you don't think that this movie is worth more than a sixty-second summary? Oh, no, I think
0: I can get no, into. No, clearly
1: the... you don't think ethics are important. That's okay. Oh, um, my God. All right, go ahead.
0: Okay, so it's a magazine called The New Republic, and they have this journalist, and his name is. Steve. Stephen Glass, Stefan Glass, and he's young and he everyone likes him. He's fun. He has these wild stories. And so the editor-in-chief that was there got fired and is replaced by someone else. And he's just like, hold on, this guy doesn't seem right. So then Steven Glass comes up with this idea or this story that is about hackers. And then he gets fact-checked for the first time and they're like, nothing adds up. And he's like, what are you talking about? Everything's real. And then they find out that he's a hack and then uh, he is subsequently fired and... The end.
1: Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. You got it well under the 60 seconds. I mean, that so was the job. story.
0: It was Yeah, new... yeah you got it. Um,
1: what did you think of this movie?
0: It was so good. Yeah. I forgot how good this movie was.
1: Uh, honestly, there's something to be said for it being a superior movie if you're not watching it in a, a classroom in like a, two. in like a 1940s desk chair. You know, like the the little ones that are like like welded to the desks. Yeah, yeah. That are plastic. And... It's like
0: all in one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I hate those. Yeah,
1: I hate those so much. Uh, this movie's a lot better if you're watching on your couch and. Yeah,
0: you know. I you know and I honestly forgot a lot of parts. So I was like, some of the parts I was surprised, and it was just like, it was just really well like paced and well directed, and like Hayden Christensen was actually good in this part. Yeah, I thought I,
1: I thought he was excellent.
0: Yeah, so he actually had emotions in this movie. It was kind of incredible. Like, he played just kind of... First of all, he had his slutty little glasses on, which I loved so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Mia.
0: <laughs> Throughout the whole movie. And I'm like, damn, that that's a look he can rock. I'll, I'll give it that. But um, you could tell he was like... He was this young, kind of scared, in, like insecure, but also like very manipulative type of person. And that really came off well. He actually played that really well the guy even the supporting cast you know was really well like acted like the even the, the editor that w- finally found out Stephen Glass it was a hack he was really good he played by Peter Skarsgård not Skarsgård Skarsgård <laughs> yeah I was like
1: wait is there another Skarsgård that's Peter Skarsgård
0: Skarsgård yes yeah. um I which I've seen him in a bunch of movies like he looks familiar he's a very yeah character actor but I could tell like you know um, the vibe he gave was just kind of like, this is fucking ridiculous. But, um, what else did you like about this movie?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I thought that there was just a lot of, we'll get into Hayden Christensen's sort of full performance in a second. But I did just want to sort of shout out this movie, uh, you know, the, the, co- everything from sort of the costuming to the way it's shot to the set designs, it all very much looked real to journalism, you know, like it, it, everyone that's in a suit, like it's not well fitted, you yeah. know, it, it's it, like it looks like they're borrowing it from their dad. Frumpy. Yeah, and they're, you know, the the office is overcrowded. Everyone's desk is a mess. Like yeah. it doesn't look like this, you know, like modern building that is, where everyone's it's like not snazzy, sleek talker, and
0: sexy. Basically. Yeah,
1: everyone's super insecure and competitive with each other. Um, the they actually had like Hayden uh, Stephen Glass, uh, Hayden Christensen is narrating, and at one point he says the median. Age of the reporters is twenty-six—and I'm like, oh wow, it really is like a modern media company. Like they, uh, yeah, you know, it's like that—that's <laughs> that's really what it's like. It's like a lot of people that are trying to make it in the industry. Um, I also thought that um, some of the shots, you know, in. The movie when, you know, when Chuck walks in or no, not when Chuck walks in, when uh when Steven Glass, one of his co-workers comes in to bring him coffee because he's been there basically all night. Bring it, you see him quickly navigate away a window. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, he, it's very clear that he was coding the website that he was going to attempt to. But the movie doesn't make like a big deal about it. It's like it's there in the background. If you don't see it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily impact your viewing of the plot. But there are these subtle little hints throughout the movie from the beginning When his character keeps getting phone calls from other news outlets, that is actually real. Those were outlets that had caught him in lies before and that he had been able to sort of talk down. Uh, and talk away and so that's sort of implied throughout the course of the movie so overall like I just thought it was
0: it's like little hints building up to like what the real truth was
1: yeah it's funny because you know Stephen Glass he sort of in one of the some of the follow up coverage of the movie after the movie and of his life later he points out sort of the irony of a movie about a fabricator containing some fabrications like there's some things that are not necessarily true like as far as I could tell Chuck Lane never claimed that Stephen Glass like deliberately ran a stop sign as they were driving back in an attempt to potentially get him sidewinded and killed. But But he did, you know, uh, over the course of uh, their sort of, when he was caught in this lie, he did start crying and and seemed dangerous behind the wheel of a car to the point that Chuck had to tell him to pull over. And so even sort of the stuff that's like embellishment so that you can sort of... There's
0: some truth to it. Yeah,
1: there's some level of truth and there is... I will say a higher level of veracity than much of the stories that he was caught fabricating <laughs>
0: yeah. the, the,
1: the the even at the beginning he's at a conference for um Monica lewinsky themed adult gear yeah uh, that was like very of its time it sort of transports you back to the time period that conference one of the articles that he fabricated it was not real um and uh there were there was no such thing as monocondoms which was something that he made up uh when one of the editors in his original draft was like, "Hey, we need. To, do you have any more color like this?" And they would sort of through their fact checking and through their edits and being like, "It needs more of this to be interesting." And he was like, "Oh, no, make of it up." Shape his own lies oh to God. more conform to their feedback, and you know, it, it was it was just you know overall, you could tell that they did their homework and that they really cared about sort of getting this story right. And it, it's such a crazy story; you don't have to embellish all of that much. So this guy, he found a hole in the fact checking system where basically his method, for anyone who hasn't watched the movie recently or doesn't remember, was that he was going to sort of—he would—he knew that he couldn't fake, for the most part, like real people, real interviews, like real events or whatever. He slowly escalated up to that, but he realized that he could basically get away with anything— if he just wrote down fake notes, because then that would be the only thing that they had to fact check it against and use this from his time as sort of head of the fact checking department to sort of mastermind his ability to embellish his way through the ranks. I know,
0: that's just, that's so wild.
1: wild It's just wild. that (laughs) I can't
0: imagine this happening in this day and age.
1: No, it couldn't. I mean, you know, you you and I can speak to this a little bit. I mean, we've both worked at news organizations and, you know, most don't require you to like hand in your recordings for the most part, they just trust you, you know, in this case, but you do have to make your recordings in case somebody comes back and says, Hey, I didn't, I never said that, you know, you got to have that ready to go. You know, this kind of, Hey, it was just based off my notes. Like that would not really fly in today's day and age with your employers. And, you know, even student journalists social, have to record yeah. every single, you know, interview that how, they do.
0: But he was like making up like conferences and like no yeah. one decided to check. Like, is this conference actually real?
1: How, how, how do you check?
0: I, I don't, there's a it's funny, harder
1: pre-internet there's
0: a funny line where the secretary at the end was like you know how this could have been avoided he just we'd, we would have had pictures
1: yeah and it and was, was like so sort so of stupid a, it was but... sort of a shot fired back at the guy because he hadn't wanted to change the layout to like accommodate more pictures he's like this isn't people magazine <laughs> yeah and I feel like that she's like seen. well you know if we would have had pictures this then... would have
0: been yeah how is he gonna doctor pictures um
1: and not wrong i mean especially not back then it's not like they didn't have nearly the ability to edit images that people do now yeah that's true
0: um let's get into the character of stephen glass i find him very interesting that you don't really get his side of the story or why he did this at all yeah it's not part of his pov at all he's
1: the protagonist of the movie but you almost they sort of make you doubt him throughout the movie and it's like you aren't sure whether or not you can believe like if you didn't know the story going in you'd be like well because you don't see him do this stuff in advance. You're nope. kind of the audience is sort of finding out the extent of the fraud as the movie goes along. Like you don't see him sort of like making up an interview at the beginning and no, then going like, in. It's, it's not like, told from yeah. his POV. It's told almost like you're in the newsroom finding this out as it's happening.
0: But he's an interesting character because he's very self-deprecating, but he also is confident in himself himself. That he knows he can get away with a lie. Like, he's telling all these stories and he just... He wants to be liked so bad. And, you know, you know, you know, like, a person in the workplace that just will do anything there, to be liked. there
1: are There are real people in journalism like this. Yes. I'm, if you work in journalism or if you work in... I mean, you probably encounter this type of person in... But, like, this character reminds me of other student journalists that I knew in college. You know, just they very just much... They just want to be liked. Yes.
0: And it's like, you know, I think the moral of the story is that you're never... Not everyone's going to like you and that's okay.
1: It's like fake nice, fake self-deprecating, always yeah. overselling what you have. Just trying to network your way to the top rather than sort yeah. of like actually being good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He would like end every like pitch that he had with like, well, you know, we don't have to do that. It's, it's fine. It's probably
1: just a piece of shit. Oh my
0: God. Uh, if someone did that constantly in a production meeting, I would fucking lose my mind. Yeah. I'd be like, do you want to pitch this or not? Like it's yeah. just yes or no. Don't, don't do this whole like, cause I think he's asking for validation, basically. Yeah. And like he has those two uh, female coworkers that are like his mentors, office moms
1: almost. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. And
0: they're just like very doting on him and like I don't know I I think it's like so people liked him so much that they were blinded by like the obvious facts and it it's interesting that the editor that came into power. Um, once the other guy left, he. Chuck Lane. Yeah, he obviously didn't really like him as much.
1: Yeah, so part of the reason that he was able to sort of get away with this was there was an editor, the previous editor at the magazine, Michael Kelly, wa- played by Hank Azaria, and actually a really strong performance of like a, you know, there are editors like that. Like, those are really, you know, those are the types of editors you want, regardless of whether or not this guy got away with fraud on his... No, if you're a writer, you want the type of editor that has your back. Yeah, but I also is... want
0: an editor that can do his fucking job and not publish things that are, you know, not fact-checked.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I think he was just, you uh, know... We like... don't need to speak ill of the dead.
0: <gasps> He's
1: dead. Yeah, he was killed in uh, 2003 oh, in the war of right, our, in Iraq. Oh, that's
0: right, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's wild. Oh, my bad. But That's okay. It's, it's okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this new editor clearly doesn't kind of see through the facade. Yeah. Because no one likes this guy. And he's just like, you know, he's like, oh, this guy's always getting all the attention. And it's like, and, when he finally- and he's
1: sort of like, this is like, this guy really, he's like going to come in here and tell this like wild story, have everybody laughing. And then he's going to be like, oh, it's bad.
0: Yeah, no, there was a point in the movie where they're at a production meeting and uh, with the old boss is there. And he's, uh, Stephen Glass is telling a story and he's like, everyone's laughing. And then they're like, all right, Chuck, what do you have? And he's just kind of like, "What?"
1: He's like, yeah, it's going to be hard to top that.
0: Yeah. And he (laughs) like gives his pitch and everyone's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he had a motive kind of to look into this and kind of see the flaws of this whole system and like how this guy is just. Getting away with it.
1: And even he sort of didn't want to believe it. It was like once they were caught, you know. He
0: was doing his job. He was like, hey, I need to call these people. Give me the numbers. And he kept saying like, oh, I left my notes at home. And it was just like. Excuse after excuse Which is like, for the
1: time period, you know, hey, understandable, like, you know, we didn't have, like, computers, like, digitized over the internet, like, you didn't have Dropbox or whatever, so, like, sometimes you would have to go get stuff. He was believing of him until there was so much evidence building up that he had either been, like, entirely tricked or he had been completely dishonest and was sort of maybe more prone to believe this because he didn't necessarily like Stephen Glass. Yeah, but But, I don't
0: think he, like, prayed for his downfall. He was just like, I'm doing my No, he tried to defend
1: him initially. He did against yeah. the Forbes reporter that had sort of been like so
0: played by Steve Zan, who's yeah. like the greatest actor ever. Yeah. I love him so much.
1: Player hater of the year, Steve Zan, who he just was like nuts. was like, "Oh, my boss got mad at me for not having the story. Fuck I'm gonna you. expose this guy as a fraud and destroy his career." Which you know, again, good job by him it's doing. It's what that. you
0: need to do. Yeah, and like I, I, I appreciate that there was a moment between the editor of Forbes and the editor of. The Washington, not Washington Post, shit. The New Republic. Yeah, where he's like, hey, can we just talk, like, just person to person? Like, I know what you need to do, and you're going to do it, and you have every right to do it, but, you know, take it easy. Like, you know, they were were being, like, honest with each other, and I thought that was a pretty cool scene. And he's just like, you know what? A job's a job. Like, I have to put this out here.
1: Yeah. And so as Forbes sort of is running down all the errors in this story, like there's this great line um, from, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Glass clearly realizes that he's been caught in a lie. And I thought Hayden Christensen, as he was for most of this movie, was really strong in this scene where you can see him doing like the calculations in his head of what do I do? How do I get away with this? How how do I sort of get out of it this time? And he just goes, he's like, you know, guys. I'm increasingly starting to believe that I've been duped. I know. I was like,
0: Oh my God. But, uh, let's just talk about quickly about the story that, uh, got basically found out. It was called hacker heaven. Yes. And, you know, it's crazy because it's like you're listening to the story and it's like, this can't be real. Like it, So
1: in one piece of evidence of this movie being really strong in foreshadowing, after that pitch meeting on that story, the the only word that you hear is another reporter in the room going, unbelievable.
0: Because it is. it uh, is. Yeah. It's crazy. So the story that he's making up is that this hacker kid who's like, what, 15? Yeah,
1: he was in his teens, yeah.
0: Gets cr- recruited by the FBI and he makes this, like, what was it, like, this, like, company called Juke Matronics or something like that. Yeah, he
1: got hired by this company called Juke Micronics cuz he hacked them yeah. and they basically hired him to like do their security, which is something that does actually like happen. It
0: does, but this is like generally
1: not in this like fantastical of a version.
0: Yeah, but the username of the kid that he said was Big Bad Bionic Boy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Very 90s.
0: Yeah, it's so um so that was the story. And also,
1: Juked My Chronics is the fakest company name ever. I feel like they should have caught right? him just on they that. They should have caught
0: him on that. Yeah. And then he was giving out, like, uh, business cards, and they were obviously, like, on paper and stuff like that. He also made up the website for Juke My Chronics, because um, when they looked at it... But in a up-
1: very, like, non-professional way. Like, yeah. it was a, a it was an AOL at Hotmail at whatever, because he clearly didn't know how to build a website.
0: No. And it's just crazy how it was just... He it was just lie on top of lie. Anytime he got caught, he would just make another lie. And it's just like... At one point, I don't think he ever admits in this movie that he made up everything. He never admits it.
1: No, in the movie, it. no. He, the only the furthest he goes is when he's in the car with Chuck Lane on the back from... They go to the the actual site of the conference and find out that this is just, like, not real. It, the story does not hold up. There's no place that could host a, con, uh, yeah. a, a conference Yeah, and, and then he's menu. like, oh, well,
0: we were at the restaurant, like, across the street. We were having, like, dinner afterwards, and he's all like, it's closed on Sundays. At 3. At 3. Yeah. And you're saying that you were there at 6.
1: And he just would not give it up, and then finally he gives up. He's like, well, I didn't actually go to the conference. I just did the thing off of phone calls. I thought that I could do it, but... It's he still never admits lying. beyond that. Yeah. He's still
0: lying. And these people are just not real. And it's just wild that this could happen. I mean, I I I don't know. I was throughout this whole movie I was like I was like, why has no one fact-checked it? And I'm like, why does everyone believe him? Like, everyone's defending it him. Was hard,
1: it was hard to prove at the time that it was wrong. I yeah. mean, think about it. There there was less Google access, less internet access, you know, like less people had websites or, you know, email addresses. Or, I think it's because you we know,
0: grew up in a journalism yeah. age where, like, there
1: weren't video calls, you know. True. It's like he was able to get his brother to pose mm-hmm. as one of the characters in this story and, uh, that's like, it's uh, and like call res- his bosses. It's a
0: respected magazine, right? Yeah. I, I've never heard of New Republic before till this uh, movie but i, I guess no yeah it.
1: so it is it, 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 i mean it, it at no least one, was i don't know if it still is He wrote um, so
0: many stories and nobody fucking followed up like i feel like that's just not even a flaw in the system it's a flaw in this whole magazine that they trusted him i just i don't know it was wild and i was just like i wrote down the audacity of a confident white man it's just <laughs> that he could just go and think that he can get away with this like that's i don't know um but uh, the whole, like, so throughout the movie, he's talking to like this high school, uh, class journals, yes. which is funny because when I graduated high school, uh, the one, my first year in college, I went back and talked to my journalism class <laughs> and I thought it was the shit, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, uh, I'm in community college. So crazy. Um, so he's talking to his old high school and you're thinking, you're like, why is he giving advice to like these kids? It's crazy. He's yeah. like, obviously,
1: obviously this is going to end with him saying, and don't make things up.
0: And then it turns but it out doesn't. There's nobody in the classroom, and that was like a. Oh and God! the
1: classroom is like a figment of his mind, I guess. Yeah. say Or he I was just, just sitting in an empty classroom. I don't know.
0: I just find it fascinating that this movie doesn't give you any reason on why he did this. There's just no like you. You can make like you know you can make guesses on why he would do that, but just it doesn't tell you the, the psychology of this guy and like maybe, not even his history or anything. It's just like this guy's lying. We well, why? Oh, but Harrison has... Yeah, you want to...
1: This movie is 90 minutes, and so they try to get in and out. They just tell sort of the main part of the story, and then there's caught. a little bit of subtitling at the end of, like, sort of what happened afterwards and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, they don't really... They don't really try to explain why. I think it was, like, the movie was done so in... Like, it was so recent after this had happened. Like, within 10 years, this movie was out. Yeah. And, you know, there was, I think, less info on why he did what he did. It was more speculation. And, you know, to, the how dead to rights they had to have caught him on these fact checks and in these articles in the follow-up coverage for them to be able to do this movie about a still living person and not get sued for libel is, you know, amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's probably some of the reason for the nebulousness too is like, Hey, we're not going to take a stance on why he did or didn't do this because we don't know. Like we're just going to say this, Hey, this is insane that this happened. Right.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because like he's making up all these like stories and I'm thinking like, why is he a journalist? Like he should be writing fiction at this point. Because if he can do all that world building in his head, he's in the wrong pr- pr- uh, pr- like he's in the wrong job profession.
1: Yeah. Well, he did write a novel. Uh, there you go. After after this came out, uh, yeah. a lightly fictionalized novel of his time at the New Republic called *The oh. Fabulist*.
0: Oh, so it's kind of like *O.J. Simpson* if I did it.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say that. Uh, <laughs> I guess.
0: Because he didn't. Does he ever admit that he made up stories? Yes, he oh, does. Later
1: okay. on in his life, yes.
0: Oh, later on. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um. Do you was there anything you didn't like about the movie, or do you just want to get into Stephen Glass? Where are they now? <laughs>
0: um. There was one funny line where it was between the two women, and uh, she was pure editing the ladies. Uh, oh,
1: I noted this too. Yeah.
0: And she's just like, I don't know why you're like riding out of your comfort zone. She's just like, and she's clearly being inspired by. Stephen Glass because yeah. he's making all these crazy. she's basically
1: to- she's she says he's doubling his income with all his freelancing, and I got to show that I can do more.
0: Yeah, and she just says you don't write funny,
1: <laughs> which was so real as as far as editorial feedback. Like that is you know sometimes you just got to give someone that brutal but honest feedback. And she
0: like she was just like okay thanks for thanks for reading it. And yeah, I, just, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I feel like we've kind of all been there.
1: Yeah, we've all been both the person. Uh, we've been the person on both sides of that table.
0: Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Uh, just going on Chuck, the, the editor, I, I liked his progression of just being like slowly realizing. And even if- He I, sort of
1: starts out as the antagonist and then becomes the protagonist. Yeah. They sort of layer that He's in like, and look, slowly- look, I,
0: I have a job I need to protect. And they
1: sort of make you not like him at the beginning and yeah. then sort of you realize it's like, wait a second, this guy's right, yeah. you know? And it's, it's
0: funny how like he was going to do it even if everyone was against him. Yeah. And he's just like towards the end, he's just like, I'm fucking done. You need to leave. Because he, he put it he put Steven on suspension. And Steven was Steven's like a little drama queen. I was like, oh my God. He was like, I am gonna kill myself. I might kill it's like, dude, calm the fuck down. What I just what did you think was gonna happen? Like yeah. I didn't, anyways um and he's just like and then at the end he's just like you know what you're fired like fuck this like, yeah you are forget
1: just, the forget the two-year suspension you're, you're fired. done because yeah. i
0: went through all your stories and it was like clearly not real it's just like
1: every single one has these same things where it's like there's no way we could have fact-checked this beyond the notes i just
0: that is just wild that they don't I, anyways i don't i don't know how this could slip through the cracks but then again he he exploited uh a flaw in this system and he
1: was almost caught like at least two times beforehand the and then finally did, he was eventually going to get caught by someone outside either suing them or whatever like this was never going to go on forever it just happened to be that this was the time yeah this was the story these were the circumstances
0: did he have a like an end goal like i don't understand what his thought process was going through this like he does what
1: well, we can get into it. Okay, but. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was there anything you didn't like about the movie?
0: No, honestly. Yeah,
1: I, I thought it was even was stronger than I movie. remember. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed really,
0: it. really, and it's short, and, you know, that's great. It's not like a fucking two-hour movie, and, I don't know, it was really good. It, it, it
1: just, it also, it brings you back to the feel of what it's like to be in a newsroom. And, it does. There yeah. is
0: one point where he's walking around without shoes in the newsroom, and I was like, "That's fucking wild. Dogs out in the newsroom? That's disgusting." Mia,
1: I feel like you walked around with your feet out in the Daily Titan. News I don't know it was just—it was just
0: like a weird detail. Okay, so you're just... not even
1: going to deny that. You're like, I don't know. No, I, I would never. The... I'm pretty sure you did. Like
0: when? Wouldn't when...
1: kick the Birkenstocks off and <laughs> no, put Burks. your feet up on some poor news assistant's computer?
0: I would never. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um. Yes. So please update me on Stephen Glass.
1: Okay. So I. Did about an hour and a half of reading for this preparation. I read like three follow-up stories. Um, the original article by Buzz Bissinger that this movie is uh mostly, if not entirely, based upon. Uh, I also read a uh a, a follow-up story from The New Republic in 2014. Oh. Uh written by one of his colleagues oh. from the time oh. interviewing him oh. about his role in the paper's history. Oh. Um, and then I read a final follow-up story from a journalism professor at, uh, I forget what school he teaches at, but he, um, he is also the founder of PolitiFact, who sort of was, like, obsessed with why people lie and sort of went in to learn about Stephen Glass and comes out with, like, a really interesting portrait of where he's at now in, you know, his 40s or 50s. Um, and so... In, I'm going to try and summarize the, I mean, there, so, Shattered Glass, the original story, if you enjoy the movie, it's worth reading just as, like, companion material or whatever, but, uh, there's, like, an astounding anecdote that wouldn't have worked really in the movie, but, uh... Stephen Glass, like, in high school, was in his theater production. He was in this advanced theater production company where they often had to sort of come up with prompts on a whim very quickly. They get told, like, hey, you got to come up with a play about so-and-so or doing such-and-such. And one of the ones that he produced was about a Washington reporter caught up in conspiracy and corruption. Stop. Yeah. Stop. So it's it, – it, the article is the majority so of it – it's a
0: self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah. The majority of it is based on uh, the Buzz Bissinger's article for Vanity Fair, uh, and it's sort of a combination of Chuck notes on this whole thing as it's Did going on. Did check that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and an, a six-hour interview with him, as well as, like, recordings from Forbes from those calls that you see in the movie. So that's why they can have that dialogue in there, like oh. they know what he actually said. Interesting. Um, And it's also likely how they, like, avoided lawsuits and stuff. So the calls early in the movie that are getting, that, you know, he's sort of ducking. It's like, oh, so-and-so called, and they're on your answering machine. And, like, the other reporters think it's like, oh, he must be freelancing with them or whatever. And it's like, no, it was real journalists that he had warded off. He had been like, oh, I don't know. Like, let me get you this person's phone number and And been able to take his way through it. Yeah. Um, So how they caught him was real. There was, they actually, Chuck Lane actually talked to a security guard at that building <laughs> and, uh, found out that the building was closed. Uh, they, he did really ask, are you mad at me all the time? That was a, oh that God. was a real deal. Yes. Okay.
0: So could the Caden Christensen's character, a- every time asked, are you mad at me? Anytime
1: oh. someone even like confronts him over the slightest thing, he's like, wait, are you mad at me? Oh my God. That was apparently a very real personality. Quirk. He's just
0: like me for real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Michael Kelly went way beyond in his defense of glass what is shown in the movie. Um really? He actually went harder uh, against, like, there was somebody that, a uh, government official that was like, he made this up, like, this, these are not real anonymous quotes, like, whatever, and he, like, wrote them a letter and he's like, hey, if you want to get upset over something, like, maybe get upset about the mismanagement of your own agency and, like, I'm not going to be bullied and, like, oh, if you're no. going to be, like, I will take feedback from good-hearted people, but, like, you're not one of them. And wow.
0: he must have felt real stupid after everything uh, it after based
1: up. on that interview afterwards he was like yeah he's like you know you always want to defend your reporters but in retrospect like i obviously <laughs> wish i would have looked at it with yeah. more scrutiny um there was uh and so the other thing the uh the caller that called chuck lane uh, and was like hey you're messing up things for my company don't don't call here again Duke leave us alone <laughs> yeah That was actually Stephen Glass's younger brother who had theater experience and was going to, uh, was really going to college in Palo Alto. Uh, And so. What was
0: the conversation? And
1: Glass admitted that to Chuck Lane after, after the part where he kicks him out of his office in the movie. How do you, you
0: you, you're just like, hey, I need you to call my work um, and pretend to be this person. Don't ask questions. Just do it for me. Like, did that, did he know? Like. I don't know. Yeah. You do sort of
1: wonder, you know, how they were able to get away with that and that sort of thing. Uh, but it seems like him and his brother were, so this is from, uh, the new Republic article in 2014, uh, called hello. My name is Steven glass and I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) From one of his colleagues, I'm blanking on her name right now, and I didn't write it down, and I'm not gonna pull up the article, but it's in the New Republic, uh, and uh, she basically was asked to go, and as part of his attempts to get certified by the California Bar, he had to pass like a morals and uh, scruples test of some kind, and okay,
0: so he was actually he actually was studying to go into law school.
1: Yes, that was real. He was really (laughs) going to law school at the time that he was fired, and he was also was really freelancing that much to double, which is sort of seen as. This is why he started lying and started fabricating was because he had way too much on his plate. He was trying to get in and out and just be able to do things and move on. And, you know, obviously it was a stupid decision, but like that was sort of his motivation for it. Yeah, he was just
0: too far in to stop.
1: Yeah, and, you know, him and his parents had sort of a dysfunctional relationship where, like, his parents were really defensive afterwards. There's actually a moment in the Vanity Fair article where, you know, the the only quote from his dad is, like, you can call me and say whatever you want, but, like, we're not giving a comment for this story. And so they were defensive of him afterwards, but, you know, throughout his childhood— talked about his parents basically pitted him and his brother against each other in quizzes and would sort of show the most love to whoever won these quizzes. And his little brother was a lot more successful than him. Um, and so they sort of, you know, probably supported each other through that is my guess based on sort of the reading, um, And, uh, you know, he said he basically said in 2014 that the thing that the movie got the most wrong was that he felt like they made it look like he was having some level of fun in the lying. And he said it was never fun. He was stressed all the time um, that that he was going to get caught. And if
0: you're lying that much, you have to like it. There's just no way.
1: I mean, maybe he liked the attention. He certainly liked the adulation. Like, he would admit, he admitted that, you know, he just was seeking others' approval too much because of his dysfunctional relationship with his parents. Um, I, knew, and I
0: knew there was a defunct... Like, I knew his family, that there was family The defu- The term. town
1: that they sort of describe in the movie, that it's, like, all doctors and lawyers, and if you're not that, you're a failure. Like, that's yeah. a very real backstory, you know, um, sort of motivation type of thing. And, you know, he basically, like, was now is really apologetic about everything that he did. He's since gone into a career uh, uh, working at a personal injury attorney law firm. He was not able to get his license to practice law as an actual lawyer, even though he passed the California bar, because they sort of deemed that he had not shown, like, enough contrition. Chuck Lane gave testimony, actually, that he had not, that, oh, if he was so sorry about this, he should have helped us fact-check, you know, his own reporting, and he never did that. Um, And he, he is, uh, like, he's the director of special projects at a law firm actually in Los Angeles in, uh, I believe, Santa Monica. He lives in Venice Beach now. Oh,
0: fuck. He's, like, 30 minutes from us. Yeah. We got to go visit.
1: So <laughs> do you think, as of right now, there's anything that I could tell you that would make you feel a little more sympathy for Stephen Glass? No. No, not really. Not really. Okay, well, I bring you to our third story, <laughs> "Loving Lies." Um, it's be- it's about Stephen Glass. You know, he um, he made a commitment to never lie again. And in his life after this whole ordeal went down and uh, then he had to start lying to his uh to his wife and their friends and family uh, because she had early onset Alzheimer's and she did not want to sort of acknowledge this and she wanted to continue to live her life and so he basically had to lie for her and to her because she just didn't want to talk about it she's like we're gonna go on and when i die I die and we're just gonna sort of you know I don't want my my family and friends worrying about this and you know um... oh
0: so he didn't want to tell anyone that she had Alzheimer's yeah okay I mean that's like consensual though
1: yeah so, uh, you know, he actually at the be- the article starts with him sort of agreeing to go and speak to this uh, to this journalist's college class, at, you know, about the movie after they watch it. So they did the CSUF you know movie screening, but then they had actual Stephen Glass walk through the door Damn, afterwards to talk about it. <laughs> um, and uh, he uh, insisted on paying his own way out there uh, paying for all his own meals, all that other because he said that he never wants to profit off of his lying again. Uh, he actually repaid his entire salary and fees to his former institutions who he filed faulty reporting for um he now tries so hard to be honest that basically every single client that comes in and every single um you know like even people that like ask him what he does now or whatever he'll like confess all of his lies and who he is at weddings and things like that like to people who'll get into long conversations because he just doesn't want to lie anymore um and uh that's
0: kind of Pill, yeah, okay.
1: I mean, after so his role at the at the injury law firm now is he basically gets he softens up clients, sort of. He goes in, he tells them who he is, what, how much his lies cost him, and he's like, so as your defense. And as the people, or, or as the people arguing for you to win this lawsuit, like, you need to tell us everything, even if it's unflattering, even if whatever, and he said, and the firm feels like he, like, people open up to him more so than they would to anyone else because he's <laughs> make so him, honest.
0: They make him watch Shattered Glass before meeting him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um... And so he eventually gets into a relationship with this woman named Julie Hilden, who uh, wrote a book about abandoning her own mom with early onset Alzheimer's because of her troubled childhood called The Bad Daughter. Um, and when she gets early onset Alzheimer's, uh, they sort of uproot their whole lives. Like they just try to sort of make things as good as they can. He's taking care of her. He hires caretakers eventually, you know, he, um, but they don't want to tell anyone. And they're, uh, you know, you find out that they're vegans who didn't want to get married till gay marriage was legal everywhere, but later (laughs) did so just so that he could take care of her finances. Um... (laughs) And he basically is like going through this incredibly stressful time, but he can't tell anyone in his life because, and it's this fascinating dynamic of this is a man who's committed to never lying again. who has to lie to everyone.
0: Life. Sorry. That's kind of shitty of his wife to do that to him, to know that he, he doesn't like lying. And she's like, Hey, but lie for me.
1: Yeah, I mean eventually he does end up having to start to tell people when they start to suspect and things How like is that she but by remember, that point you know? she's sort of so far gone exactly. that like he's telling them like she's just not gonna to remember. take care of her yeah. no not in front of her still I don't know that he ever told her that he told anyone I don't um, know. that's
0: that's quite selfish to do that honestly to not tell people you have Alzheimer's like that's man i will
1: yeah well a- anyway he he took her to go get married when things were starting to get bad just so that he could continue to take care of her finances and uh you know uh took care of their house hired caretakers would um he got like a little card from the Alzheimer's association to bring to restaurants of just being like hey please be patient with my partner they're dealing with some sa- some things uh and in her book actually talking about her mom's diagnosis and abandoning her she had fantasized about that she was going to kill herself if she uh Like, if she ever, you know, got Alzheimer's, but, uh, you know, she didn't do it. And he basically his stance was, you know, your past self doesn't get to kill your current self if your current self is happy. And, you know, it seemed like she was sort of still having a good time to the end. Uh, Even when he was hiring caretakers, he would like not admit that they were for. And at one point, there's uh, there's this point where she comes into the room and she's like, wow, these are a lot of caretakers just for the dogs because they adopt a lot of dogs and stray cats and foster, you know, animals and that kind of thing. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Where and, are they living? Uh, Venice, Venice Beach.
0: Yeah, that sounds not tracks. Yeah. Um So she died, I'm I'm assuming. But yeah,
1: she's she's since passed.
0: Oh, okay. I I'm still supposed to feel bad for him?
1: I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I sort of do It's You know, you should read the stories, you know, anyone who is interested for more. I don't know if I did them justice, but uh, it does paint a sympathetic portrait of, you know, hey, maybe your worst moment in life when you're in your 20s, you know, should not define you. Obviously, that was a horrendous thing that he did. But, you know, no one died. Uh, no, you know, no one he, died. I, and
0: honestly, it's like, he, it's not even slander because all these people are made up. Yeah, It's just a, I mean, he's a really good storyteller. I think people should give him credit for that at yeah. least. I mean, like, he, he's making these really interesting stories and people were reading them and stuff like that. Were and now they...
1: he basically helps people who don't have the means, uh, you know, get money from things that go wrong. Like, there was somebody that got, like, hit by a car, you know, like, that they tell their stories. And, you know, he um, he basically tries to help the less. There was one homeless person who they took on as a client that was, like, hit by a city bus. Um, that he basically got him into a shelter, got helped him get cleaned up, all that stuff. That's sort of his role is like getting the clients ready for trial and um it does seem like you know he's sort of you know i i don't want to it's not for me to say redeemed or whatever but it does seem like he has tried to turn his life around as best as possible and it is sort of a fascinating you know it's a fascinating story and it's a story that you know stephen glass himself probably could not cook up
0: yeah (laughs) um how do you feel about hayden christensen playing him because they do not look
1: i think i think hayden christensen should play him in a sequel about his later life as a personal injury attorney who's taking care of his wife
0: <laughs> um i'm glad we ended this christian miss because i was losing hope i was losing hope yeah, on our boy he,
1: he was he was he, in a good movie he really
0: could so it, he can be a good actor he just needs the right he material needs to play
1: a whiny nepo baby that's what we found out through exactly. the series that's his, his strongest performances whiny yeah but he, whiny rich kid
0: exactly that, there you go. So make more whiny-, whiny rich
1: kid or Anakin Skywalker. That's it. Okay? That's it. That's all you got to play. <laughs>
0: uh, how, so how's this uh, journey been for you?
1: You know, we went, we went to some dark places like little Italy. Um, you know, but we also, I, 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 really enjoyed watching shattered glass again. And I would not Me have too. done that if it was not for this podcast. So I'm glad we did it.
0: Yeah. I, I can see why they showed in journalism classes. It's a good movie. It keeps your attention. It's got Hayden Christensen in the slutty little glasses. Yeah. It's a whole package. And it's
1: like, hey, if you lie, Forbes will catch you. Yeah. they are. That's that's what they do.
0: That's what Forbes does.
1: Yeah, just that. They
0: uh, they will hunt
1: you down. Steve Zan, he is not going to let He's you get away around. with messing around on his beat.
0: He's such a good actor. Yeah. He needs Ma- to be in more stuff. Yeah. Him and uh, uh, Melanie Lewinsky is also in this, too.
1: Melanie Linsky.
0: <laughs> Melanie Linsky. Yes. Who's also a great actress that should be in more stuff, too. Uh, anyways, thank you for... Showing me the way of Christensen miss. Yeah, um, I'm
1: excited to do it next year. We can we can dive back into the Star Wars prequels. No,
0: fuck no. We are ending this. I,
1: I think he's got a lot more filmography that we haven't watched yet. It looked like there was a direct to DVD uh, prison break style movie in there somewhere.
0: No, I'm, I'm um, not done. You can find another host to do it because I'm maybe
1: a- I'll have to Christensen miss <laughs> spinoff special.
0: Uh, anyways, if you want to listen to our past Christensen miss episodes, you can find us on. Uh, Apple podcast and Spotify or honestly, wherever you listen to your podcast. And um, if you ever want us to watch something, let us know on Twitter. You could add us or at the account, I guess, but I'm not really checking the account, but I will. New year, new podcast. Am I right?
1: Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: (laughs) Anyways, uh, stay safe, everyone. Happy new year and uh, we'll see you next time.